see you guys chaos theory is out it's only an hour in jordan how's it going man man busy uh busy weekend hellaciously busy weekend for you (laughs) i forgot to move my mic busy weekend (laughs) uh where you want to start um you know we can start a number of different ways uh but you know you, you can start with just kind of big picture take on junior day i don't know if you want to start with the two commitments i'm gonna i'm gonna give the floor to you 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 drive this car yeah so besides it being um cold as hell i think it was a pretty successful uh, junior day um obviously it was great that texas won the basketball game as well uh the whole <laughs> texas recruiting media market pretty much was making jokes the whole morning about how they were going to get run off the floor but they won so great great news um who uh who, who called that win on saturday by the way there was a certain member of the horns 24 7 staff i think that mentioned. yeah no idea text. no i <laughs> mentioned in the group text that they had a good feeling because usually that's the kind of game that texas messes around and wins after uh some struggles so yeah I'd, i had a good feeling about it jordan i don't know what it was but man it couldn't from that standpoint <clears throat> good atmosphere for the game top 10 opponent you get a win it was great for rodney terry couldn't have worked out better for sark though yeah um they obviously got two commitments uh racing gillery and lance jackson both kind of a little bit out of the blue um lance jackson was someone we were expecting to end up at texas eventually but you know, honestly, not this soon. Um, he had always talked about wanting to take the official visits first. Um, and with him, it, you know, it's well documented who his older brother is, Landon Jackson, the Arkansas defensive end, who is top 50, top 70-ish prospect in the 2021 class. When he came out of Pleasant Grove, same high school Lance was at. Um, so Lance has kind of been getting recruited since, like, his, his sixth, <laughs> seventh grade year, uh, just because Landon started getting recruited really early on in his high school career. And Whenever you go and visit, usually bring your siblings. And Lance, I mean, he's built and looks just like Landon almost. Um, yeah. And so, you know, schools could see even then when he was 12, he, he was going to be a guy in the future. So it was a long process for him. And he always talked about how, you know, he's kind of just sick and tired of it. Because, um, again, he kind of had two or three years longer in terms of getting recruited than the other kids in this class. So. He, he always went about it professionally kind of because he had been through it before. Um, mm-hmm. And so he had always said he wanted to take the OVs first and then commit after, but he'd always said that he wanted to take OVs as soon as possible. Uh, and usually they open the last weekend of April, and he already knew that. So he was always saying, I want to take my first OVs the last weekend of April and, like, commit by the end of May. Um, so when I was talking to him, uh, we got some quotes before he went ahead and announced it. Um, I asked him, you know, was this a spur of the moment decision or, you know, did you kind of go into this visit? Maybe you're thinking about it on the drive, you know, I'll commit. And he had said, you know, he knew Texas was a place for him, but he wasn't really expecting to commit. And then he got on campus and kind of was just like, man, this is where I'm going. I might as well, (laughs) I might as well just post it. Um, That was kind of his mindset. And, You know, I I wrote in the stampede this morning how, you know, I think he's going to be really solid to his commitment, kind of just because everything I said where, man, he's tired of this process. He knows what his different options are. And, you know, also he's been to Arkansas a ton. And I think I believe he's been to Tennessee twice. I know he went once in November. uh, I believe it was like a whole weekend unofficial. Um, So he's seen. And the reason I brought up Arkansas and Tennessee, those are the two schools that are really the only competition to Texas, I'd say. And I think. Lance would say the same thing. So 
it was important that he got to see those two programs um, and get an in-depth view with them before he went ahead and committed to Texas because, you know, he's also seen Texas a lot. And it just means he's seen all the options, I think, that could come along. And he pretty much already has every offer in America. So, you know, I expect him to be pretty firm on his commitment. Um, and then racing Guillory, that one was really uh, kind of out of the blue there. Um, I believe I'm actually <laughs> – I believe before he committed, uh, I was the only person that had ever interviewed him. Um, I talked to him after Alito had won the state championship game. Uh, it was actually was on my birthday, December 15th, um, last month. They had won racing, didn't play uh, because he had hurt – I believe he tore his MCL or PCL. It was something of the two. I, I can dig for that. I have it somewhere. But yeah, uh, he got hurt in the fourth or fifth round, missed the state game. Wanted to be a part of the team, so the Alito coaches let him suit up. He obviously didn't play, though, but interviewed him then, talked to him, and, um, you know, he had said him and Tashar Choice were talking every day, and, that you know, he was high on – he didn't say directly Texas was my favorite school, but, you know, whenever you talk to kids, you can – whenever you do this for a living, you get a good sense of reading, you know, body language and, yeah. you know, just tone of voice, stuff like that. And I could tell he really did like Texas, but – I mean, he said he'd barely visited anywhere and was looking forward to seeing Texas more because at that point he'd only been for the Wyoming game. Um, and then comes this weekend for junior day. It's funny. I mean, basically the way we got to operate working these junior days is we're in the parking lot as they get off buses. And some of these buses will have like a lot of guys on them. And Racing yeah. Guillory was on a bus with like Riley Pettijohn and Deuce Williams and some other big time guys. So, no, actually, no one talked to him. Um, and then, you know, some time goes by, we get word that his grandpa's posting on Facebook to say yeah. everyone else. <laughs> um, we run it by Texas because, you know, we, Hank and I both talked to Texas sources going to the weekend. You know, any yeah. guys maybe I'll feel good about. And they, didn't, they, they honestly said they weren't expecting anyone, anyone to commit. Um, but if it was going to be some commits, it was going to be these guys. Racing Guillory wasn't one of those names. So, you know, we check back with Texas, like, hey, uh, you know, what's going on here? And they're like, yeah, he he committed. Uh, the staff loves him, and they're really excited for his commitment. And uh, I had a racing gallery, like, what's up, man? <laughs> uh, heard the news, you know, and we did our interview, knocked it out, got the graphic made, and he went ahead and posted it. Um, he he would have posted it while he was on campus, but he was waiting on his graphic to be made, and that's why it ended up getting posted at past nine o'clock or whatever time it ended up airing but that's uh pretty much the backstory i guess behind this weekend's two commitments okay let's start with let's start with lance jackson we've got him listed as a defensive lineman uh did you get a a, a an updated weight for him because the six five in the link part that's pretty self-explanatory with him but where is he weight wise right now because i wonder is he on his on a path to being an interior D lineman, or might he have to be an edge guy? Uh, he look honestly, he can do either one. Um, okay. What Texas has been talking to him at? I mean, PK has been his primary recruiter this whole time, um, and they've also, you know, pretty much since Ethan Burke came on, they've been saying that's who we want you to be. So that's kind of the the path Texas has been kind of vision Matt. they haven't said directly you know you're going to come here and play that exact role but writing's kind of on the wall and lance has even talked about like you know what are you looking for or what do you like about how texas recruits you and he said uh he sees a lot of similarities with himself and ethan burke and you know he he could envision himself being in his shoes one day um 
And so that's kind of where I see him ending up positional fit. But, you know, again, uh, 245, I'd say he's probably heavier than that. Okay. Uh, but with, with his frame, he could he could get up to 280. Honestly, you know, if things go his way and he ends up being an NFL draft prospect, he'll probably end up being drafted at least above 270 for sure, I'd assume, no matter what the position is. Because, um, again, that's the type of athlete and the type of frame he has. He can do that. So, And I wrote this in, I believe, the comments under his commitment story, but him committing this early is good for Texas because this gives him flexibility. While they've talked to him about being in Ethan Burke's shoes, him committing this early gives him flexibility where, you know, say they whiff on some D-line guys, you know, yeah. Unfortunately, that could possibly happen. Mm-hmm. Lance can play D-line and they can go take, you know, an extra edge to where class numbers make more sense. So yeah. him shutting it down this early helps Texas in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I I, I liken him from a body type standpoint. Uh a little bit like he he's thicker than Ethan Burke, right? Uh yeah. Reminds me kind of not a little bit, a little bit different, but a little bit kind of in the same mold of like Taquan Graham. Like when Taquan Graham was at Temple. He was in that kind of two, 255, 260 range. I didn't think Taquan Graham would be a guy that got up to like 300-plus pounds, but he did at Texas and ended up being a productive interior D lineman and ended up getting drafted. I, I think anytime you take edge guys, if you can bulk them up and kick them inside and they maintain the same level of explosiveness that they have, the ability to penetrate and get up the field, I'm all for it, man. I, I think Byron Murphy showed you this year – the importance of having a penetrator and a disruptor at defensive tackle. It's like as good as Moro Ojimo and Keandre Coburn were in 22, mm-hmm. neither one of those guys was really a disruptor like that. But with Murphy yeah. and Sweat, you you know, Byron was the disruptor. And then, okay, if you're going to double team Byron Murphy, well, good luck blocking Tavondre Sweat one on one. That's what made those guys so good as a tandem. So, I, yeah, I'm all for it. As long as, as long as you can bulk them up, like I said, and they can maintain the athleticism. That's fine. Well, the racing Guillory, Jordan, anytime people hear the phrase Alito running back, everybody thinks of Jonathan Gray and everybody thinks, man, how much tread is this guy going to have on his tires by the time he gets to campus? You've seen him. Should that be a concern at this point? Or you think it's just way too early to, to know he's got, he's got two more years of, of varsity football left. Yeah. Um, Honestly, not worried about it. Uh, I mean, he's been – he originally was at Mansfield Lake Ridge as a freshman uh, where he was their varsity running back for the 10 games they played. They didn't make the playoffs. Um, I believe it was 700-ish rushing yards he had as a freshman, something like that. Mm-hmm. Transfers to Alito, has to sit out. I think it was their first three games, and then he missed their state game and their semifinal game because he only played in, I believe, 11 games as a sophomore. And Yeah. Since Alito made it to state, they would have played in 16 games. So uh, he missed five of them. Um, and honestly, no, I'm not worried about carries for him, at least, you know, through his first two years. Uh, Alito, this this season, they had – I'm probably going to butcher his name. I believe it was Kieran Hawk Daniels uh, was his name. And they, they traded carries, even though, like, Racine was the workhorse. He led them in all rushing uh, stats and everything like that. You know, he wasn't overworked. Alito's going to run through everyone in that district, and really he won't have to play full four quarters outside of non-district and, you know, once you get to the third, fourth round of the playoffs. So not necessarily worried about tread on the tires for him. Also, with Jonathan Gray, like, people have to realize how many carries Jonathan Gray was getting at Alito. Like, that it was a ridiculous number. Yeah. 
like yep. ridiculous. Like it's like Kansas and Deontay Foreman that game. Except, like, <laughs> he gets like six games a year like that, and he plays sixteen games because Alito was winning everything back then as well. So. Yeah, um, I think the uh, you know the way Jonathan Gray got used. And I don't blame Tim Buchanan or anybody on the Alito staff for the way they used him, but you've got to think too. You won three straight three straight state championships, so he's playing 15, 16 games a year. I liken it to where it kind of reminds me kind of how I've thought about Kevin Durant in recent years. Jordan, like you look at KD's age, like okay, he still should have tread on the tires, but you think about the playoff runs that he had with with Oklahoma City and with Golden State, the international play that he played, whether it's uh, the FIBA World Championships or the Olympics. Like Kevin Durant's in his mid thirties with Kevin Durant's probably 34, 35, but that's an old 34, 35. Like he's, that's a broken down. That's a lot of tread on that, on those tires. So yeah, I, I, you know, I've seen high volume carry guys. Uh, Malcolm Brown was a decently high volume carry guy in high school and, you know, battled injuries one year at Texas, but played his four years at Texas and, up until this season, as a matter of fact, yeah, was he in? Was he in the league this year? I think maybe it was last year, where he, you know, that he got a call from the Rams because he, Sean McVay loves him. The Rams needed running backs, and they called Malcolm Brown. Like one week, I remember Malcolm was asking people, "Hey, what's a good tailgate to attend?" Because I'm ready to go to a game as a fan. And then literally the next week, the Rams signed him to a free agent deal, and he's playing in the NFL the following Sunday. So. uh yeah, I, yeah. Anytime you mention Alito running backs, you know you're going to have to hear that for the next couple of years with Guillory. So just, or, or you got your mind wrapped around it, like are you ready for it? Are you ready for people to just hammer you with the racing Guillory questions about how many carries is he getting? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm excited though because I've been meaning to get out to Alito. Um, I knew I was going to see him at state this year, and I didn't, so I didn't really make a huge effort. But uh, I, I got to get out there at some point. Obviously, now Racine's committed, but also uh, Caden Finley's there. And Caden Finley's a 2026 kind of jumbo wide receiver, maybe a Y. Uh, and he's Jermichael Finley's son. And yes, he is. Jermichael Finley, you know, statistically being the greatest Texas tight end of all time, you know, his son's going to be pretty good at football. And you're going to assume that, and, you know, you assume correctly. So, uh, yeah. Looking forward to seeing both of those guys. Yeah, man. Jermichael Finley, uh, including Jatavian Sanders, freakiest tight end Texas has ever had. Like the three guys, it's like Lavelle Pinckney, Jermichael Finley, Jatavian Sanders in terms of just freakiness at that position. But I like, dude, you go, you get a chance, Jordan, I know you're busy, but if you get a chance, go down the YouTube rabbit hole and watch some of Jermichael Finley's highlights where he's just like boxing people out in the end zone and just going up and like high pointing balls and just mossing dudes in the end zone back when he was at Texas. It was insane how good he was. So there's the two commitments as far as the offers go, because you talked about it. We did a full junior day preview. Like we did half pretty much the back half of our show on Friday was all junior day preview. And you pretty much said, Hey, I think this guy's getting an offer. I don't think this guy's getting an offer. This guy's kind of a wait and see. In terms of the offers that were extended, anything surprise you? Um, not really. Uh, I was happy Michael Terry finally got offered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know he's visited. I feel like he's been there at every single Texas recruiting event I've covered, and Saturdays is my fifth. So, uh, you know, happy. It, it's always hard seeing whenever kids always are invited to these events and. 
eventually they just stop showing up and stop, you know, acting on the invites because they haven't been offered and yeah. it frustrates them. So it's happy that Michael Terry, you know, kept his head up and he got that offer and he's very excited after. I mean, I put out the quotes this morning, but I believe he's at around 20 or over 20 offers now. And he said Texas is in his top three. And I mean, they offered less than 48 hours ago. So, and he, he's our number one athlete in the country, uh, I believe number 50 overall players. So definitely a big deal. Um, in terms of positional fit, Texas told him, you know, we just want you and we'll figure it out later. He said he really – he said he has no preference. He just wants – or he tries to get the ball in his hands. And we were like, so does that mean you want to be on offense? And he was like, sure. <laughs> we were just like, okay, got it. So, Yeah, um, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see – how uh, we've talked about it a lot, so I don't want to go, you know, too far into it. But talking about Sark liking a move guy at tight end and an inline guy, I'm interested to see just kind of the the different body types he can put at that move guy position, that wide position, because you know, like Michael Terry probably projects there if he picks Texas, and not that you know, maybe he projects there, but uh, you know, like a guy like uh, Emory Winston is going to play that role. Jordan Washington, who's there right now on campus, who's more of a, a long, lanky guy, a stretch-the-field guy. So you've got diversity in those two in those two roles, but even within that one role, you can still have, you know, two, three different body types, two different type guys that can function there. I want to see just how, how crazy Sark and Jeff Banks get with it. Yeah, and while we're on the topic of tight ends, one um... – Lance Jackson, if you want to watch some fun high school tape, he's got a lot of tape on his his junior highlights of him playing some tight end. And, I mean, it's pretty scary seeing how well he moves for 6'5", 245, and he's kind yeah. of a natural pass catcher as well. He's – I mean, people in uh, Texarkana, I've, hear, I've heard them say this since his sophomore year, kind of blew it off just because I was like, eh, he's only a sophomore, but – now that I've seen him in person, he's kind of grown up. I, I do think Lance is more athletic than Landon is. Um, okay. And that people have been saying in Texarkana again since the sophomore season. So it's going to be interesting uh, to see if that ends up being true. But oh, or I guess I'll answer the Quinn Murphy question. To be honest, I don't. Um, I think they would have by now. Sorry, I've been having like hiccups or something. It's been weird all day, but you get you some some gargle, some salt water, or something. Is that one of those gimmicks you can do for hiccups? <laughs> yeah. Um, but Quinn Murphy, know. honestly, I don't know a ton about him. Um, I've seen him in person once. It was about a year and a half ago, and he had a big growth spurt because he lists himself at six three now. He was maybe five ten then. So uh I don't really have a good read on Quinn Murphy as a player, but in terms of Texas offering him, he has hasn't been invited to a recent visit or anything like that. So I'm going to have to say no for now. But um, on the tight end front, there are two big-time tight ends in the 2025 class that were there. Uh, Keati Armstrong from Jasper and Nick Townsend from Bikini. Uh, Nick Townsend's listed as an athlete. He's going to play tight end in college, um, or at least if he ends up at Texas, he'll be playing tight end. Um, Texas already has a tight end committed, uh, Amari Winston. We had him on our list. He ended up making it in. Uh, we confirmed he wasn't there. I haven't heard anything that makes us, you know, feel different about his commitment. We still think he's solid. But I do want to say, man, Texas is in a, a good spot for both Keati Armstrong and Nick Townsend. <laughs> Nick Townsend's yeah. the number 122 overall prospect in the nation. Keati's 54. Um, 
I honestly think it would be worth taking three tight ends if those are two of the guys you're going to take. And if I'm, again, speaking in honesty, I would prefer both of those guys over Imari Winston. Um, so we're going I mean, with Amari, not Emery? I've seen – I saw a video yesterday where he said his name and he said Imari, so that's oh, what I'm going Amari. with now. Okay. But I've had people tell me both up until then, so now I'm rolling with Imari. Gotcha. Um, okay. Spelled like Emery though, so I don't know. You'll all, you never know. Good. I guess I guess we'll find out when the Texas uh style guy or pronunciation guide comes out. If I guess we <laughs> don't find out before then. But I've um, been I've been saying uh NATO and Zima's last Zena's last name wrong the entire time. So then I've read that pronunciation guide. Actually, I got it in front of me. Umazalo is how you say Zena and NATO's last name. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard I've heard that one pronounced like ten different ways. Um, but I've heard it pronounced the way I said it and I never heard NATO or anybody else correct it. So, you know, as Jordan buffers real quick. Um, yeah, you can get over to the site and Jordan and Hank put the stampede together today. Uh, also just uh, what I thought was really good, uh, just some quick hitters on Saturday, just kind of pretty much almost every recruit that was there that was offered and visited, just got something from them real quick. And then, uh, all the guys will have plenty of interviews also on the site throughout the week. Like Jordan's interview with Michael Terry dropped this morning and I texted with Hank as to handle the, uh, 24 seven sports basketball recruiting update, the rankings update for the class of 2024 I texted Hank this morning. I was like, Hey man, uh, I'll t- I can take that basketball story off your plate. And he said, good, because I got about 15 more interviews to go through. So, uh, by the way, real quick, speaking of basketball rankings, uh, Trey Johnson, five-star guard out of Lake Highlands now at Link Academy, still the number five overall prospect in the country. Uh, Cam Scott, the guard out of South Carolina, number 52 overall. And Nick Cody, uh, the big power forward out of Carrollton Newman-Smith, number 66 overall. So Texas with the number eight ranked class in the country. According to 24-7 Sports and Basketball, let's get back to the football, though, Jordan. I want to ask you about uh, – we talked about the running back position last week, and <laughs> it's funny. The The first comment on the YouTube page onto the video is, what, no mention of Ricky Stewart? And, and Ricky Stewart's a really good player, a uh, really productive player out of Chapel Hill uh, in the Tyler area. Uh, Ricky Stewart got offered – it's an interesting offer because, man, it feels like he's been committed to SMU forever. And uh, it's a you know, running back is is usually a deep position in the state of Texas, and at some point it becomes beauties in the eye of the beholder. And if you're to shard choice, you can look at those 2025 running backs and be like, all right, uh, I'm gonna offer four of you. The first two that commit get the spots. I don't know if that's what they're telling people or guys are getting that hint or whatever, but uh, it, Ricky Stewart's in that group of running backs that are just kind of all there together of the state of Texas running backs. Yeah. Um, I believe I said it, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but I'm not expecting Ricky Stewart or Demetrius Brisbane. They're both the two Tyler Chapel Hill kids. I'm not expecting either one of them to end up at SMU. Uh, they both committed, I think, like a week apart from each other, something yeah. like that. Um, they're both really close. Uh, both of them are at Texas Junior Day, and Hank spoke to Ricky. I spoke to Demetrius. Uh, I, I don't know if there's really a, a number one option. I predict them both to land at. Um, yeah. It is an SMU, but just as of right now, I don't think it's SMU. Yeah. Uh, Keenan Hall was a big part of recruiting them to SMU. He's now at Baylor. So Baylor's in the mix. They'll both be at, or 
they both will be at Baylor next weekend for Baylor's junior day. And they're both really high on Texas. Ricky Stewart said it was his dream school. Uh, haven't confirmed with anyone, but, you know, I feel pretty good about uh, my thought that there's there's guys higher than him on the board. Yeah. Uh, I think if he wanted to commit, they probably would tell him, you know, maybe let's wait a little bit. But, you know, he he's talented. Um, I like him a lot. I actually saw him as a sophomore. Shit, I think it was a fourth round, 2022. Uh, mm-hmm. They played Lumberton and at New Caney, or in New Caney at Randall Reed Stadium. Um, and I think Lumber- Lumberton was up like 28 to three, or like 28 to six, or something like that at half. Chapel Hill won the game, and it was raining, like pouring the whole time. Ricky Stewart finished with like probably over 150, 200 yards, like four touchdowns. They couldn't touch him. Um, yeah, we counted for sure. Yeah, Ricky Stewart's numbers for his junior year uh 2855 in terms of his rushing yards, 40 rushing touchdowns, 284 yards receiving and four touchdowns. He's over 6000 yards for his career at Chapel Hill. And probably going to have a chance Jordan to get pretty, to get uh over the 8000 yard mark cuz that's a Chapel Hill program. They're going to play, you know, several rounds deep in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, but you know, that running back mix, um, running back is one of those positions where, you know, I, I don't really, you, if you're evaluating the right guys and I, I trust to shard choices eyes, you really can't go wrong. If you've got four or five guys you like, you got to figure all right, from this group, we're going to get, we're going to get two that we really like. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think they're the favorite for Jordan Davison. I think a lot of other people think that as well. So. You know, honestly, I, I said this to Hank over the weekend, like where Texas is at with Jordan Davison right now feels a lot like where they were at with Jared Gibson at this point in Jared Gibson's process. Mm-hmm. Um, Jared, Jared Gibson also made it in for the junior day as well. And, you know, we kind of got the vibe around then with like Texas just kind of feels like Texas and no one else. Um, obviously, Ohio State, Oregon. Alabama, you know, a lot of other programs are involved with Jordan Davison. But, again, like all the buzz favors Texas here. So, you know, with that being said, you kind of have to figure out the puzzle pieces. Who's the second running back? Yeah. DeAndre Ryden. Uh, James Simon from uh, Louisiana was also – he wasn't on our list. I don't believe he was on anyone's list. And actually ended up showing up at the junior day and Mike Roach talked to him afterwards. So, I'm going to have to talk to Mike Roach and reach out to James and see what's the latest there. But – uh, he's a top two, four, seven guy as well. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how the how the dominoes potentially fall for filling in the class with, you know, the guy who looks like will end up being in the class and Jordan Davison. So, yeah, you've got uh, you mentioned Tiger Ryden, uh, Tory Blaylock from Atascacita reports an offer. Uh, and then you mentioned Ricky Stewart, Riley Warmly <clears throat> from South Lake Carroll also. Um, is in that mix. Any, any 2025, I know KJ Lacey didn't show up because uh, he's going to be there this weekend, this coming weekend with Ryan Williams. He's scheduled to be anyway. Any 2025 quarterbacks make it in? Um, No, I didn't see any. There's some 26s there. Roman yeah. Seymour, Will Griffin, uh, Reese Weiss from Westlake. Uh, there's 27 or there was like two or three 2027s, but the only one I remember off the top of my head was a Weston Nielsen from Bastrop. So, yeah, gotta get that. Uh, gotta get that twenty-seven cycle started early, Jordan. Gotta get that quarterback, that quarterback yeah. take figured out. Uh, 
Coast Four Twenty is talking about uh, Jabori Antoine. Uh, he actually did make it in. Um, we were all trying to figure out who he was because he was wearing a ski mask and you, we could only see his eyes. So uh, ended up finding out later it was him once Will Fong posted the story and that was him in the thumbnail. Um, but Steve spoke to him after and put up some quotes on our site, uh, I believe, Saturday night. So yeah. you go back and look for that. But uh, it seems like the visit went well. Uh, I really like where they're at for him. He's a Louisiana kid, though. So, you know, it's always hard fighting in-state LSU. I think a few weeks ago I said it, you know, it kind of feels like a really weird recruitment for an LSU or for a Louisiana kid where it seems like he isn't really treading to LSU. Mm-hmm. And then obviously a few days ago, news comes out that Corey Raymond's going back to LSU. So, you know, I think that could change a lot of things, to be honest. But we're kind of in wait and see mode. He obviously hasn't visited LSU since Raymond has took office, I guess, again. Um, so, yeah. And then uh, I saw you ask about Marcus Harris. Uh, we like where Texas is with Jordan Davison, but or with Marcus Harris, but not as much as Jordan Davison. Uh, Marcus Harris was originally scheduled to be at Texas, ended up switching his plans to be at Tennessee. And, you know, that's where he was this past weekend. So, going to see if he returns. We expect him to come in on an OV at least. And, you know, I remember the spring game last year was when uh, I think it was like five or six modern day guys came down. So, yeah. I assume they probably try to target the spring game again. So, is it weird that in the uh, yeah Jordan gets lots of offers for road trip partners? Uh, that's nothing new. <laughs> uh, Jordan, is it weird that just in the day and age we're in in college football, when the first you know what the first thing I thought of when I heard the Corey Raymond news that he was going back to LSU? Hmm. Man, I wonder if Xavier Filson ever thinks about getting in that portal because LSU would probably be because LSU was one of his top choices. You know, they he was were. in Florida, Florida because of Corey Raymond. Um, man, it just, it, it's just that challenge of having to constantly recruit your own roster, you know, and it, it's good though, that Texas, like you have to have a coach like Sark. That's why I think like, you know, the last couple of big jobs that have come open, people have mentioned are, you know, urban Meyer for those jobs, man, I don't know if urban Meyer style works in college football in 2024. I don't think you can have a guy that's you know, all fire and brimstone, uh, you know, it, it, that tell that should tell you how much of a relationship guy Nick Saban is. The Saban's a little bit different anyway, because guys know man, you go to Alabama, Nick Saban's going to put you in the league. Now more than ever, relationships matter when you talk about once guys get on campus, especially early on, because guys can get homesick, guys can get frustrated, whatever the case is. Uh, but yeah, that's just something that, you know, I'm, I'm filing in the back of my head. Like, you know, something ever happens with Phil me where he hits a portal. He, Corey Raymond's back at LSU, so that'd probably be where he ended up. But, uh, you know, he's going to, Xavier Phil is going to get every chance to make an impact at Texas as a true freshman starting with spring practice. So, yeah. And I'm excited to see how he does because, you know, athletically, I think he's the most ready, you know, arguably at any of the freshman signees. So, yeah. And by the way, don't anybody go run on social media. Oh, man, Jeff said Xavier feels to be transferring. That's not at all what I just said. So don't be twisting my words out there. Um, at any rate, let's keep it moving. Uh, what position group surprised you the most? Just in terms of who showed up, who looked good on the hoof, uh, any anything anything to take away from the 2025? Tight end, you've, you've already mentioned the one position I was really interested to hear about was tight end. Uh, with uh Keati Armstrong. Uh yeah. Uh O line group, 
obviously was the biggest. Uh, anytime you have Byron Washington in your group, you're going to be the biggest. So uh, <laughs> it, it was funny. Hank and I, he was the first off the bus, um, like quite literally. Yeah. And uh, I mean, if you've ever seen him in person, he kind of like waddles <laughs> to walk. And so Hank and I are like, why are they making him get off the bus and like waddle all the way into Moncrief to hand him his pass and make him walk across the street to Moody? Yeah, <laughs> it's like why doesn't he just like get a head start and go now? Because they were having him like basically get off the bus, walk in, talk whatever for like five ten minutes, get your little lanyard, and then uh, they take him in like groups of like 20, 30 kids across the street to the Moody Center for the game. And so uh, I, I got to go the O line group for biggest. The linebacker group is really impressive. Uh, Bo Barnes was there, Riley Pettijohn was there. Yeah, uh, Gavin Nix from IMG. We didn't have him on our list coming in. He showed up. Um, He's a top two four seven guy as well. He I actually texted someone at Texas um, about him. Hold up, I could actually read you this text. He said I'm not sure how you feel about the 2025 IMG linebacker Gavin Nix. I know y'all have offered him, but he played his ass off tonight. He was by far the best player on the field. Y'all need to get him on a visit. <laughs> and he said we offered him, but we need to reevaluate him. And that was in August. Um, yeah. So his first time at Texas seems like he got, had a good time. Uh, actually, wasn't the one who talked to him. It was Hank. So can't really tell you exactly what he said, but I did ask Hank, you know, how to go, and he said it seemed to went well for his first visit. Uh, he said he wants to return. He's kind of in the process right now of seeing schools he hasn't seen for the first time, like kind of like what his trip to Texas was. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, it's kind of, you know, seeing those options and then working on scheduling official visits is kind of his MO is what Hank had told me. Yeah. Um, Jabbar Muhammad news, uh, none, not lately. Uh, nothing besides that he's still scheduled to be at Oregon this weekend. So The 25 linebacker class is interesting because, again, things move fast in college football. That group will be freshmen – the season that Anthony Hill and Leonga LaFau are both draft eligible. So that group's going to be critical. Get them in as freshmen, get them to learn the defense. That way, if you lose both of those guys, you know, you're, you've got some competition for guys that have at least seen it, you know, going through that. Well, that would be spring of 2026. Should both those guys leave? I know I'm getting way ahead of myself, but man, when you're, when you're building a roster, that's the kind of stuff you got to think of, man. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. And, Shit, I mean, they're both like they're they're top of the line. Like I've talked about it a lot, but the fact that I think Texas is where both of those guys end up. Like, I can't remember the last time Texas signed like a linebacker duo like that. I'm sure it was in the last ten years or whatever. But uh, two in-state guys ranked that high that are that like <laughs> like my y'all can kind of tell my eyes light up when I when I get to talk about them. Um, yeah, like those two guys, Lance Jackson, like. There's a handful of guys that really, truly do excite me, and Texas is in a great spot for both of them. I and mean, specifically Riley. I, I, I've always said I think they're in a good spot for uh, Bo Barnes, but man, talking to Riley Pettijohn afterwards, like I'm thinking about putting in a crystal ball sooner or later for Texas. Not that he huge. would commit anytime soon, but just I, I feel that strongly about him ending up at Texas. That's big. Um, uh, when you talk about off-ball linebackers like that, the just highly ranked guys, 
uh you know the the duo that jumps off the top of my head uh, jumps out off the top of my head Malik Jefferson and Anthony Wheeler that's almost 10 years ago now hey one of them was some skyline too <laughs> yeah yeah where was but Anthony Anthony Wheeler was a top he was skyline guy. Anthony Wheeler was one 136 in the country so yeah that was yeah that was a, a good group um and then you got the Tom Herman era, which was loaded with defensive backs. Uh, you can, I guess, you can count Demarvin Overshown, but I, I don't think Tech Texas. Man, they might have gone. What they? What else did they do at linebacker in that class? Delia Dale, no. Joseph side played edge. What's the uh, name? Uh, the Gabriel Floyd. The Gabriel Floyd was twenty nineteen. Yeah, and never, unfortunately, never played a snap at Texas because of the uh, spinal stenosis. So. Yeah, man, that's uh, if Texas can get these two guys, two in-state off-ball linebackers, man. Je- Jeff Choate definitely left that room better than he found it. For sure, for sure. Uh, Jack, Jeff- I know you, you jumped on here late. Uh, I talked about D-line coach at the top. Um, no, neither one of us went to. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say no, no. None of us went to Skyline. We were just talking about Elijah Barnes and Riley Pettijohn. Riley Pettijohn goes from McKinney Barnes to Skyline. And then he brought up Anthony Wheeler, who had also gone to Skyline. So uh, yeah. nothing on the D line coach. I would stress patience, and if it's if it continues to trend the way I've heard it's trending, I think Texas fans will be happy with the outcome. Yeah, that's all um, I'm going to say on on uh, defensive line coach. Yeah, I forgot. The Gabriel Floyd did end up somewhere. This it's kind of wild how he still might have eligibility because I mean he did take like a year or two off. Yeah, I don't know, man. And then you got a COVID year thrown in there. I, I don't know if that applies <laughs> yeah. to him or not. Uh, Why? Why would it not apply to him? Like, hey, your spine's <laughs> messed up, so the COVID year doesn't apply to you. The Gabriel Floyd. How about East Los Angeles College? Oh, he signed with Charlotte. That was back in December. Man, Elac that means the Gabriel Floyd's the... going to go play for Biff Pogey. Man, Biff Pogey, I'm just going to say this. I don't like to disparage many college football head coaches. But Biff Pogey, like, he's that dude stealing money from Charlotte. You ever seen this dude coaching on the sidelines, Jordan? This is the dude that wears, like, the sleet, like, this cutoff, like, the sleeveless T-shirts with, like, the slit in the neck, like he's going into the weight room to get a workout, just – it looks like a like a redneck on the sidelines. Like he just needs a trucker hat that says "I farted" and he'll fit right in with, you know, any redneck dive bar in America. I'm like, this dude's stealing money, like doing bits. Like, I was just blown away. No, I don't know how I ended up watching so many random like Sun Belt or Conference USA games during the season. But I texted our guy Eric Henry because Eric used to cover those leagues. I'm like, what's Biff Pogey's deal? And I told him I was watching the game. But I was like, by the way, don't judge me for watching the Conference USA game on a Wednesday night, please. We all have our guilty pleasures. <laughs> that we do. That we do. Mine might be midweek Conference USA football. Um, Jordan, how big is this visit coming up this weekend? With uh, I know Ryan Williams is going to be on campus. And look, I know you get asked about Ryan Williams. I get asked about Ryan Williams the odds are what they are until he gets on campus and then take your shot. I still think he ends up at Auburn, but we'll see. Uh, how big is his visit though for KJ Lacey just to maybe solidify some things? Cause man, I, that's going to be a recruitment that Sark and AJ Milwee, they're going to have to recruit him 
pretty much until it's time to put pen to paper like he's not in the class. Yeah, I, uh, KJ Lacey's been – he was at Alabama this past weekend. Um, that got reported. And to be honest, I think if Ryan Williams uh, – again, I still feel the same way about everything I've said about Ryan Williams – Texas, do they have a shot? Yes, they have a shot. Do I expect them to end up at Texas? No. We're expecting Auburn just like pretty much everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, with KJ Lacey, I think him taking visits is going to slow down once Ryan signs. Uh, I think a lot of the visits he's taken have been kind of going with Ryan. Not not that he's not being recruited by the schools he's visiting, but just that you know maybe he wouldn't be going on these trips if Ryan wasn't already going. So, right. Um, I, I think it's going to slow down a little. I also think eventually, like, you know, Sark and Milwee don't – and not just Sark and Milwee, it's the whole Texas staff. Like, whenever they have a commit that keeps visiting other schools, like, it reaches a breaking point where they talk with them and they're like, hey, like, you're in or you're out. Because we're, yeah. we're tired of doing this. It's you're in or you're out. Um, and we obviously want you, but, you know, it's Texas. They can go get whoever they want pretty much. Most of the time they can't. Um, so Mm -hmm. not sure if they've done that with KJ Lacey yet. Uh, honestly would kind of be surprised if they have at this point, especially with Ryan, you know, not having signed yet. But, um, I I think things are going to slow down for KJ after Ryan is official somewhere. So, yeah. Yeah. I was just looking at the, uh, at the top quarterback prospects. It's not a, there's not that one guy in the state of Texas this year. I was just looking at our in-house rankings, uh, Adam Schobel is he Bo or Aaron's son? Do you know off the top of your head, Jordan? I don't. He's one of their sons. Um, Matt actually, Matt is his father. So I was wrong on both accounts. Aaron's his uncle. Um, yeah, you got Bo Schobel uh, at uh, at Columbus. Uh, yeah, just not not a really top heavy year or, or a deep year for in-state quarterbacks. So, I mean, I think we probably, everybody probably figured that out when they went out of state to get KJ Lacey in the first place. Yeah. And thing too, like I, I've written about it, but I don't want to say they will be shit up Creek if KJ Lacey decommits, but there's, it's going to be rough. Um, obviously I have faith that they figure it out, but the other quarterbacks they've offered in 25 besides K.J. Lacey is Bryce Underwood, who mm-hmm. has never visited and have never heard anything on Texas in him. Committed to LSU right now. He's the number one player in the nation. The other kid is Julian Lewis, who's our number 14 player in the 25 class. He was originally in the 26 class, and he was the lone 2026 quarterback that Sark had offered up until this point. Now he's in 2025. He's committed to USC. He uh, visited Texas like two or three times. Um, he's been getting recruited since like the seventh grade. Uh, while he is committed to USC, he's also still taking trips to like Georgia, Bama, some other schools as well. So that one is more of a shot than Bryce Underwood does, but it's still probably like his greatest chance is getting struck by lightning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at least at this point, that's what it feels like. Uh, if I'm just being honest. So. They, I really think if they lose KJ Lacey, they're going to have to evaluate guys they haven't offered yet. Um, All right. So in twenty in twenty six, they had Will Griffin on campus, who's the number our number four quarterback in the twenty six class. Thing is, they haven't offered anyone in twenty six a quarterback because Julian Lewis reclassified. So that's also we're also in kind of wait and see mode for the twenty six class as well. So 
I was just looking at the in-state quarterbacks for 25. You got Adam Schobel and Ty Hawkins and San Antonio Johnson. Uh, Schobel committed to Baylor. Hawkins committed to TCU. Um, then you got to go. Those are the only two four-star quarterbacks in the state. Lloyd Jones at Hitchcock is just outside the top 40 in our in-house state rankings. He's committed to Texas Tech. See, this is the other thing. A lot of these guys make commitments early. Keelan Russell at Duncanville uh, committed to SMU. And then after that, you go down to, man, it is down into the 60s, get down into the 70s. It's it's not looking good, Jordan, for in-state quarterbacks at this point. So that you've got basically, unless I see one coming up, uh, Keldon Ryan from All Saints committed to Virginia Tech. So, yeah, it's it sounds weird saying this, not a great year in-state quarterbacks yeah, and to be honest 26 isn't great either um we have roman seymour who's now at fort ben ridgepoint he was at manville and before manville he was at iowa colony he's i believe like our number 96 player or something like that uh he's he's probably getting moved down in the next rankings update um outside of him there isn't a quarterback currently ranked in 2026 that resides in the state of texas so probably gonna have to go out of cha- out of state for that one as well yeah, man. It, but I, you know, I don't. From that standpoint, I don't worry about. Uh, yeah, uh, Roman Seymour right now, ninety three overall, is where we've got him. Um, and from that standpoint, though, Jordan, I don't. I don't worry about Sark and AJ Milwee being able to find quarterbacks. But depending on where you get them from, um, it, it could be a hell of a time hanging on to those guys. That's what you brought up, though. I didn't think about that because Ryan Williams. He's going to sign with somebody sooner or later, you know, in the next couple of weeks. Does KJ Lacey just shut it down and not take any more visits at that point? No, I, that's that's something to follow. Yeah. Uh, I doubt he'd completely shut it down, but I think uh, a complete shutdown would be coming somewhat soon thereafter. Yeah, yeah. At some, like you said, at some point, that's not just a Sark and AJ Milwee thing. That's a that's a any staff thing. Like at some point, if if you if especially a guy at a position where it's almost impossible to get a fallback option that late, a guy quarterback commits to you and he's still taking visits. At some point, it's like, all right, you need to, it's you know what or get off the crap or get off the pot time. Like what are we what are we doing here? Like if you want to take visits, we we got to go find something else. If not, let's let's go ahead and do this thing. So, um, anything else junior day wise, Jordan? We got about we got about five six minutes left. Uh, anything else junior day wise that we haven't hit yet that you think is worth mentioning? Um, pretty much every linebacker we talked to raved about Nansen. Um, seems like it's really been a home run hire so far. Seems like Johnny Nansen was a big hit. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, not really. Um. I didn't see this myself. I didn't hear this myself, but uh, there's another reporter I talked to that was in the parking lot, uh, I guess, with kids before they got on the bus to go to the junior day when it began. And some people were getting upset about having to wait for buses. Apparently one parent got mad. Um, Outside of that, I didn't hear a single thing about anyone being upset with their experience. So, do you want to say that's a good thing? Because usually yeah. you hear a lot more than just one parent being pissed about having to wait out in the cold for a few more minutes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, pretty good overall. I think, you know, you got two commits, and as far as we know, you know, four, 36, 40-ish hours removed. No families are pissed off. It's a good so. thing, man. It's a good thing. 
Uh, in terms of organization, I mean, I, that was the 11 a.m. basketball game certainly didn't help from an organ from a, a logistic standpoint. Because uh, yeah. I talked to Hank because I was seeing some of the pictures coming in from the guys where they were having to park and get on buses. I texted Hank. I was like, dude, are they busing kids over from the intramural fields? Yeah, they are. Like, yeah, I was like, man, that's a that's a hike. But really, man, if there's events going on on campus on a Saturday, really kind of nowhere else to do it. Yeah, exactly. Because the even like the parking garage at Dishfalk, they're going to use that for Basque for Moody Center parking. Um, yeah, it was it was nice to see that from a logistics standpoint, everything went well. But um yeah, I, I just in terms of organization, man, just the fact that uh, you know it doesn't seem like Sark's junior days or Sark. The, the one thing we talked about this last week, the one thing that they really need to maybe look at and do differently is the pool party during the summer. But it seems like Sark's junior days anyway. Like there's nothing stale about them. Like kids usually, the the reviews are, are positive. And honestly, and and I say that and you're like, okay, Jeff, what kid has a bad experience? Trust me, by like the end of Mac Brown's time, you know, some, you know, during the Charlie Strong era, and even during the Tom Herman era, there were kids that were pretty open that they didn't have the best, most positive junior day experiences. So it's, it says a lot that, you know, the reviews continue to be really positive for the staff. Yeah, it does. It also, uh, you know, people are willing to put up with more shit whenever the program's better. <laughs> That's true. Like I'm just being honest. Like that's true, that's true too. That's yeah, gotta that's be. True. It's part of it as well. That's true so. too. No, I say that with the Bama offer. Like when when Alabama under Nick Saban when they offer you, yeah. Unless you're unless you're one of those dudes that everybody else in the country is offering, that's your offer to come to camp and try to prove yourself, and then they'll see how interested you are, and then based on your performance or what they think of you, they will either reciprocate that interest. Or you'll get the hint really quick that you probably need to take Alabama off of your list of favorites. And it's like, man, that seems kind of cutthroat. But you know what? It's, it's Alabama. They can get away with doing that. Yep. Just like the same reason uh, Urban Meyer could get away with what he was doing and Tom Tom Herman couldn't. Tom yeah, Herman didn't much. win. Yeah. Urban much, Meyer man. did. Yeah. It, uh, it's really weird, too. We can get more into this. I was thinking about this, too, Jordan. Like, if you look at – uh so this is you know sark is going into 2025 will be his fourth fourth full cycle is it 22 23 24 25 will be his fourth full cycle uh charlie strong did charlie strong was gone by that time tom herman's fourth cycle was that 2021 class which ended up being a transition class you've got to go back to Mac Brown's fourth year to find the last time a Texas head coach, you know, after they might sign a couple of good classes in that third or fourth class, it's like, it's a transition class or things are already on the downtrend or whatever, that that's how you've had giant gaps in the talent pipeline. Even though Sark has the portal as his advantage. And even though he doesn't have scholarship counter limits, like the other coaches had, you're seeing dude, like Texas could, in theory, put together a top five class for the fourth year in a row. Like that's how 25 is shaping up. And it's kind of, I mentioned this before talking about Sark, man, it's kind of scary to think about because early Mac Brown was the last time Texas recruited at a consistently elite level. Like it looks like Sark is recruiting when you're talking about stacking like three or four classes. It's you can do one. You can even do two, but to stack three, four, 
five elite classes on top of each other, that's when you get to where Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia and these other national championship contenders have been. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. And honestly, the, this 25 class like has the potential to be the best class that they've signed. Uh, the start staff at Texas. Um, saying a lot, saying a lot, because I, I I went back and just some top 247 data. I went and looked at the uh, the 2023 class. The 2023 class, 11, 11 signees in the top 247, nine of the 11 in the top 100, and you had three five-stars with Arch Manning, Anthony Hill, and C.J. Baxter. Look, I just – man, I, I go through – I went through the 2025 top 247 uh, whenever I was putting the list together to tweet out, you know, how many of the top guys would be there, and – Dude, they lead for a lot of guys, <laughs> like yeah. a lot of guys. Um, and I've even talked to Hank about this. Like a big part of how covering Texas is so much different for us compared to like even Mike and Hudson is there are guys Texas has to say no to now. Yeah. Earlier was, you know, under Mike and Hudson, a lot of it was, you know, kids saying no to Texas because Texas was five and seven or whatnot. So – I really think this 25 class, again, can can be the top class that they've signed so far. Like, it's loaded in state. It's loaded at receiver. It's loaded at linebacker. D-line is pretty decent. O-line is great. Uh, the really only weak spots are quarterback and, and DB. Yeah. Outside of that, it's pretty pretty damn good strong class. Yeah. I was just looking at the, at the top 247 for 24, and – I think it just, you know, I don't think any any coaching staff will ever run the state the way Mac Brown did back in the day. Yeah. But what you're talking about for 25, if Texas goes in the SEC and has a nine or 10 win season, you're one in the SEC. Texas could be the team that just dominates the state in 2025. Because if you look at 24, Jordan, I mean, it's kind of a hodgepodge. Like your top five guys, actually, your top six guys in the state in the top 247 all going to different schools. DJ Lagway to Florida, Justin Williams to Georgia, Micah Hudson to Tech, Terry Bussey for now to AM, Colin Simmons to Texas, and then Bryant Wesco going to Clemson. Um, you know, Taylor Tatum to OU. OU's first one comes in in the top 10. So you had Florida, Georgia, t- Florida, Georgia, Texas Tech, Texas AM, Texas, Clemson is six, OU's nine, nine different schools signed a top 10 a top 10 guy or actually six to seven different schools signed a top 10 guy in the state in 2024. And I mean, Colorado got one, Tennessee got one, LSU got a couple, TCU, Notre Dame, Oregon. Like it was just kind of a hodgepodge. And I think the state by and large is going to be like that going forward, but you can have one of those years where you dominate. Maybe that's it for Texas in, uh, in 2025. Like you were pointing out uh, as Trey gets on and BK will be here momentarily. Uh, CB mentioned the fourth cycle for Mac Brown was 2001 class. Even though I say 02 is the gold standard, you can make an argument that 2001 was the best class, the most talented class Mac Brown ever signed because Aaron Ross was in that class initially. So you had two Jim Thorpe Award winners in the same recruiting class. Michael Huff and Aaron Ross were both in that class. That's those two guys, Cedric Benson, Derek Johnson, Jonathan Scott. It's a lot of really freaking good players in that class. So – um 
Yeah, the 01 class is it's up there for the best class Mac Brown ever signed. Pound for pound, 05 was Mac Brown's best class. They only signed like 13 guys, but Colt McCoy, Jamal Charles, Quan Cosby. Quan was in the 01 class initially, by the way. They, they came back from baseball and signed in 05. Uh, Roy Miller, uh, Henry Melton was in that 05 class. Just a really top to bottom, just was really damn good class. Was Arakpo? Arakpo was Arakpo was 04. Okay, okay, okay. Rackpo was 04. But yeah, that's uh it's fun, BK, that we're talking about Texas, kind of like Jordan said, you know, the 2025 class could be one where Texas kind of dominates in state, at least right now it's shaping up to be. It's nice when we can talk about Texas in those terms and and stacking elite classes on top of each other for a long time. I said it before, man. It's something that hadn't been done since since those early days under Mac. Yeah, it's nice to be able to talk about recruiting without having the giant caveat of if these guys get developed, right? Because that's what it's been. Like, Texas yeah. has recruited well. Y'all, y'all mentioned it. I mean, this this next class has a chance to be something special, and obviously Sark has put together a few really special classes in a row. But, man, end of Mac, all of Charlie, all of Tom, start of Sark. Oh, yeah, it's great. Another top 10 class. But we're not sure if these guys are going to get developed. Now that we have seen guys get developed around here, it's like, oh shit, no, nah, this this is uh the start of something that could be really, really good for a long time. I'll give you an example. The 2019 class uh, in the top 247, 11, uh, 11 total guys, six top 100 guys. You signed two five stars, but five of those guys in the top 100, Brew McCoy, the Gabriel Floyd, neither of whom ever played a snap at Texas, Tyler Owens, Tyler Johnson, Jake Smith. Jake Smith gave you something, but the injuries mounted up. So really the only guy that you got multiple years out of as a contributor among six top 100 guys was Jordan Whittington. God, all those yeah. dudes were in the same class. Yeah. That 2019 class is brutal from an attrition standpoint. Mm. Like dude, top 100 guys in the country, BK, that pretty much gave you nothing. Was that the the signing day where Tom Herman gave us this too? <laughs> it was because if it was, there was your foreshadowing right was there, it, wasn't it? I don't remember if it was that one. I think it was the following year, actually. Okay. Why did he give? Why did Tom Herman give the double birds on signing day? He was flipping off Emmanuel Acho. He's like, "Oh, I was telling about the bus story, so that's why you were looking right at the camera when you popped the double bird after Emmanuel Acho." I mean, I forgot what Manny Acho said. Trey, do you remember? It was something that wasn't putting Tom Herman in a favorable light. I think it was just saying hello to Tom Herman in the football offices. That very well could have been it also. Uh, I don't remember. But yeah, I didn't, even, he, I didn't even know that nugget, Jeff. This is why we have to uh, turn to you with these things. Yeah. Emmanuel Acho had said something, and then it cuts to the war room on signing day, and Tom Herman is giving the double bird right at the camera. And like Brian Care, pretty much everybody in that room Except Bob Shipley was laughing, I think, because Coach Shipley probably had the foresight to be like, I hope that camera's not running right now, because if it is, it isn't going to be good. Mm. And thankfully it was, because it was good. <laughs> Grateful for that moment in Texas football history. All right, gentlemen. Uh, again, if anybody needs Junior Day content, uh, Hank and Jordan have plenty of horns 24-7 and more to come. So get over there and, and check it all out. So. Definitely. Great show today, fellas. See you all tomorrow. See you. See you. Good job, guys.